Welcome, everybody, to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. I'm your host today, Kareem Anderson, and I thought we'd change up the format just a tad, if you guys will bear with me. Uh, I thought we could at least do one opening discussion where we kind of go in depth and, you know, find out some information, maybe learn some new things about a topic. And then I will run through the headlines in no particular order, no days anymore. Uh, we'll just give you all the headlines that happened in the week of uh, the 16th of September. So let's start with our opening discussion, uh, which is Xbox head Phil Spencer responding to the latest Activision deal criticisms, to which there were many in a five-day span. Uh, in a recent statement at the Tokyo Game Show, Spencer responded to questions about the possibility of further acquisitions for Microsoft's gaming division with the following. Are you still looking to remain acquisitive because you've got Tencent really starting to get involved in the space now? You've got Sony nibbling at the edges? Or is it just about waiting and seeing what happens with Activision and then pressing pause for a little bit in terms of buying up other studios? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, you nailed it. This is such a competitive market. I don't think we get to press pause on anything. Uh, you know, you, Tencent is the largest gaming company on the planet today, and they continue to heavily invest um, in gaming content and game creators. Sony is a larger business than we are in gaming today, and they continue to invest when you look at the investments that we've made. Uh, it's a highly, highly competitive market. We strive to be a major player here. We want to deliver great content for, for our players, and we're going to remain active. Like I said, whether that's investing in our internal teams that are already building great games um, that people know and love, whether it's building new partnerships. I mean, one uh, along with this response, Spencer also touched upon Japan being a reinvestment opportunity for the company and its partners. He also answered questions about whether or not the company wants to reacquire Discord. And lastly, he kind of had a small dig at Sony uh, and their kind of kerfuffle on raising international prices for their console. It's a great interview. Uh, we'll have more clips forward uh, in the following. Meanwhile, Sony continues to use Call of Duty as its acquisition cudgel to kind of keep the acquisition at bay by saying that even if the CMA approves and Microsoft maintains its contractual obligations to the PlayStation platform, the fact that Call of Duty could become a part of Xbox Game Pass would, quote, stifle competition. I mean, heaven forbid players have a choice between playing Call of Duty on Game Pass subscription basis or paying $70 up front per game to play on PlayStation. But PlayStation is still going to attempt to make attempt to make the argument that the uh, deal between Activision and Microsoft is a bad choice. To that, Spencer responded uh, to, to Sony's competition stifling rhetoric with the following. Quote, when I look at some when I look at something like Game Pass specifically, I think it's an output of competition in our market. Competition is about driving comp competitors to innovate, driving competitors to do things like cloud subscriptions, like building new intellectual properties. And everything we've been focused on is how we do complete uh, how we do to compete effectively. How do we deliver more to our how do we deliver more value to our customers? It's interesting to see that Sony's throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the wall to stop Microsoft from encroaching on its cozy exclusivity contracts with Activision Blizzard, but we've yet to hear a peep from Nintendo on the matter. I mean, if they're part of the market, you'd think they'd be chiming in as well. Well, on to the headlines. And this is the week of the 16th of September. And we start off with Microsoft's new wallet feature in Microsoft Edge being rolled out. Microsoft is developing its way around not having its own mobile wallet app by putting it into Edge into the Edge browser, which can be used on mobile. 
On Monday, Microsoft announced it would start testing a new wallet feature that would help users manage digital assets and savings on Windows and Windows 11 or Windows 10 and Windows 11 PCs, and it presumably will sync across mobile at some point in the future. Previously, users could save credit card info through Edge, which would automatically fill in fields with uh, the info and confirm with bioauthentication as well as CV numbers uh, before any purchase. But that was, it wasn't a dedicated uh, spot. It wasn't really organized. This new version will be. Anyone eager to try it out can manually try and install it by doing the whole Edge flags thing by doing, I think you can enter uh, Edge semicolon backslash backslash wallet into the Edge browser. Uh, and the new interface should show up uh, if you are going, if you're part of the AB testing group. If Microsoft can market ed the Edge browser on mobile as the default browsing experience, it could find itself making some money with credit card partnerships and sponsorships via the dreaded A-word ads. Uh, I'm a little bit conflicted by the convenience versus annoyance factor of this news. We'll see what they do with it. Uh, the next thing we have on the docket is Microsoft Viva Engage Storylines feature reaching general availability. For anyone dreading the Facebook pay, Facebookification of Office productivity, Microsoft is giving you a bit more night mode fuel with its new Microsoft Viva, Viva Engage Storyline feature, which just reached general availability this week. <clears throat> Earlier this week, Microsoft announced that Viva Storyline is now widely available across Teams, Outlook, Yammer, and of course, Microsoft Viva. Build as a feature to help enhance your communication across your organization for both employers and employees by sharing real-time updates and experiences. I believe Microsoft missed the memo that most employees try to avoid direct or indirect contact with their employers, like a student trying to avoid seeing their teacher outside of the classroom. However, for those of you who happen to enjoy your work environment, congratulations. Check with your admins to see if they've enabled it by choosing, and if they haven't, you can walk them through it by telling them to choose uh, managing storyline options via the yammer.com or via Engage app. Microsoft might have the telemetry saying that offices are asking for a corporate Facebook style platform, but as a geriatric millennial, I'm begging my office to reconsider the service because I don't need another social media service, especially one tied to work. Next up, we have uh, uh, been distributed in general availability, which is Excel Live, uh, which will be now available in Microsoft Teams. And if you are tired of fumbling through screen share options during conference calls when you're trying to minimize or exit videos or web pages that you happen to be more interested in than the actual work you're being paid to do, Microsoft's got your back. Well, Microsoft just brought Excel Live to general availability, which now lets Teams users collaborate on Excel files directly within the meeting window as it supports Sheets View. I think we mentioned Sheets View a few months back. Uh, for the introvert at work, Excel Live will load uh, for each participant in the optimized Zoom level with flexibility to adjust Zoom based on their preferences according to the Excel team. So you will load up your Excel sheet and everyone that's part of the, the uh, meeting will get their own view of it. And they can adjust it and zoom in and zoom out as you continue with your own presentation. Now, before you toss your Zoom or Teams work shirt that you always have, you know, that you just toss on before each meeting, and before you, you know, put the tape on your webcam for the final time that you're hoping, there are a few limitations to Excel Live that should be noted. First, the feature can only be used up to uh, can only be used in meetings up to 25 attendees, and they must all be from the same organization. Which means that if you have multiple vendors or partners that all happen to jump in on the same meeting, you're back to fumbling with you know screen share and having that business up top look if you happen to wear sweats at, uh, during your meeting as well. 
Second, recordings can only be made in audio format. You cannot make Excel meeting video recordings as of yet. So please be very descriptive in what you're talking about because those who aren't watching may not be able to follow along. Last, web support for this feature is only working in the public version as of right now. Uh, and it's not in the general release that came out this week. So again, you'll have to convince your partners to go out and download Teams proper so you can continue to be an introvert and turn off your camera. Now, you may be doing the entire group a favor, uh, especially for those people who fear asking, can we just do a video only meeting because we don't need to see each other in HD? Uh, the other bit of news that we had this week was 343's Industries' Bonnie Ross announces ret immediate retirement. Kim was a bit of a shock for anybody who's a Halo fan uh, or a Bonnie Ross fan. And you could be both or you could be neither. Uh, the Halo franchise took some high profile hits uh, as two expected executives left 343 Studios or 343 Industries, beginning with storied corporate vice president of Xbox Game Studio and head of 343 Industries, Bonnie Ross. She shared the sudden news initially via her Twitter account where she announced her retirement. Ross mentioned in her farewell tweet that the move to retirement was in part due to attending a family medical issue. And uh, the abruptness of the news, we can only hope that things are okay with the family or will be in the future. Uh, you know, a lot of people are speculating, maybe she was fired, things like that. But if she's dealing with a family uh, issue, we will hopefully give her the time to deal with that before trying to figure out what happened. In lesser reported news, technical development lead Dave Berger slipped in his two weeks notice right under the door about two days after Bonnie Ross made her announcement, or at least everyone found out about it. Berger oversaw the development of Halo Infinite's Slip Space Engine, but there is now a time frame to his and fortunately for him, there's a time frame. I mean, there is no time frame for his departure uh, that's being reported at the moment. So Berger may still be around when 343 Studios is planned to split into three uh, three sections, three different businesses with a production lead, Pierre Hintz, taking over Halo development, Brian Kosick becoming GM of the franchise in the future. Uh, and I think, I mean, her name sounds pretty uh, Bounty Hunter-like, but Elizabeth Van Wick will be overseeing business and operations as the third leg of the split. And this uh, split became news right after Bonnie's uh, departure. For those of you who are ready to attend uh, an IT event, you can do it virtually now that registration for Microsoft Ignite is available. Uh, for those who, the Ignite uh, conference is in October, will be happening from the 12th to the 4th. And again, all you IT cloud guys in Seattle area, get your bags packed and your rooms comped by your account managers because Microsoft has finally opened registration for its hybrid Microsoft Ignite conference. For those of you, for those of us who were used to trekking to Orlando in previous years, we'll have to be joining virtually, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. If you're a swag connoisseur like myself, it's a bit of a letdown because I love going to those conferences and just grabbing bags and bags full of Microsoft stuff. Um, but you know, there is the other hand of being safe and healthy. So take it with, you know, however you want to this, this year. Microsoft hybrid conference approach uh, could be welcome for a lot of people, uh, again, who are just trying to stay safe and save on travel and things of that nature. Either way, you can register uh, for the event at ignite.microsoft.com if you haven't already. Uh, and a bit of fun news, we have some leaked specs that surfaced about a potential Microsoft upcoming gaming laptop. Now, you know, take this with a massive grain of salt. But Microsoft may be getting ready to jump into the deep end of the gaming pool by producing a surface level gaming PC. A site I'm not too familiar with named Prime Gaming, which appears to have been copyrighted just this year. So again, 
take it however you want to, offers a spec sheet for what, may be, what many believe to be a Surface gaming laptop. Among the wish list of specs and features that's passing for a fantasy Surface gaming laptop are a 16 inch PixelSense flow display with 165Hz refresh rate, resolution of 2560 by 1440 which I don't believe follows the 3 by 2 ratio, but who knows. Uh, and Dolby Vision support, as well as a six, as well as 16 and 32 gig uh, gigabyte memory configurations, Intel's 12th gen core i5 and i7 processors, a possible NVIDIA GeForce 3050 and 3070 Ti, 102 or 127 watt power supplies, and could be weighing up to 4.4 uh, pounds. As for connectivity, don't get your hopes up for a full HDMI or even a wired Ethernet port, as this mystery box only sports three Ethernet USB. C Thunderbolt 4 uh, ports, a 3.5 millimeter audio jack, and a proprietary Surface Connect port, at least based on the spec sheet. The device is said to come in either magnesium uh, and aluminum, aluminum uh, as well as a platinum silver color that most services are known for, and the black. Again, I'd swallow this news down with a heaping pile of salt. As much as I would love to uh, welcome a dedicated Surface branding uh, gaming laptop, it doesn't make much sense for Microsoft to push beyond the cur current Surface laptop design for making a gaming rig. Also, beefing up the specs on the Surface Laptop Studio allows Microsoft to recoup a sunk R&D cost from last year, uh, as well as push out a faster device. Like you know, it's they already have everything they need for it. You just need to beef it up with uh, you know maybe a little bit more cooling and put in the beefier GPU that everyone's asked you to do last year. Uh, what makes this even more confusing is because Microsoft fancies itself trying to push the industry in a certain direction like they did with the Surface Pro, uh, what they're trying to do with the Surface Laptop Studio, I suppose, uh, what they did with Surface Go and Surface Go 2. Uh, you know, they're trying to say, hey, these are devices uh, our OEM should be making. So with that being said, it seems like uh, there's also an issue. Uh, there's also an issue of Microsoft competing for a market sector. It's arguably attempting to undercut with Game Pass. Uh, I'd argue that you know recently Microsoft is pushing Game Pass as kind of uh, for less respect devices that you know allow people to continue to play games via xCloud. So what I would expect them to do is create a thin client that. Um, you know, would have a great screen, excellent battery life, LTE connectivity, uh, probably no or reduced fan noise. That's, you know, that, I think that's the ideal device that they should make. That's how you push the market from selling boring beige laptops to shoehorning in detachables and two-in-ones like they did with the Surface Pro. You know, they said everyone's making boring beige laptops, let's make the Surface Pro. It's detachable, it's got a keyboard, and you know, it's arguable how successful that's been, but again, making just another gaming laptop and stuffing a GPU in it, I don't see them succeeding at that. Uh, moving away from gaming and hardware news, uh, we found out that Google's plan uh, is to jump out of laptop uh, device making. Uh, Google's planned cost-cutting measures claim the Pixelbook division. Anyone suffering from PTSD from Google's non-committal relationship with, with hardware may be ready to book an extra session with their therapist this week because the company is shedding light that uh, it's going to be getting rid of the Pixel Book, uh, at least for this year, and dissolving the team. Uh, and this is information that was reported on by The Verge, uh, and they have people, uh, they at least have sources that are familiar with the matter. Say goodbye to the Pixel Book uh, for the foreseeable future, as The Verge reported earlier this week that people 
uh, familiar with the team uh, have been told to, or I mean, people that are on the team have been told to look for jobs elsewhere within the company. Sundar Pichai sent out a company-wide memo about a week and a half ago stating Google's intentions to enact cost-cutting measures and would start by slowly by slowing its hiring process. Quote, because of the hiring process achieved so far this year, we'll be slowing down the pace of hiring for the rest of the year. We'll be supporting our most important opportunities for the balance of the 20, 2022 and 2023 years. We'll be focused on hiring and hiring on engineering, technical and other critical roles and make sure that uh, the great talent that we do hire is aligned with our long, long term long term goals. As sending the Pixel team packing and presumably looking for other opportunities with the company, Pichar's Pichai's memo also talks about moving forward with greater urgency, sharper focus, and more hungrier than they've shown in sunnier days. And in some cases, consolidating where investments overlap and streamlining processes, which means goodbye to the Pixel book. Uh, while I prefer Surface and Windows devices over the Pixel book and Chrome OS, it's a bit of a def it's a bit deflating to have them out of the market. Unfortunately, OEMs. I mean, at least fortunately, OEMs have picked up the ball and ran with it and are creating inspiring Chromebook uh, devices. Now, the question is for how long and how, I, how high end they will continue to make them uh, because the PC market has kind of crashed uh, now that the pandemic is over with and we've reached the end of life on that. Uh, and unfortunately, Chromebooks have crashed even harder during that time. People know, or at least know, that they want low cost, which you know, kind of shoehorns and or, I mean, pigeonholes the Chromebook into a, a budget category. And so the the necessity for high-end Chromebooks may no longer be there, which is maybe the writing on the wall that Google's seeing. Uh, another Google-related news: uh, the EU deals Google another antitrust blow to the tune of 4.1 uh, billion euros. Google was slapped on the wrist by the EU's general court, figuratively at least, as it upheld the 2018 decision to fine the company for quote-unquote unlawful restrictions on manufacturers of Android mobile devices and mobile network operators in order to consolidate the dominant position of each search engine, of its search engine. Barring an appeal, Google slated to pay 4.125 billion euros, which is a step down from the original judgment of 4.34 billion euros. The news comes as Google preps for a tussle with the U.S. Department of Justice over its potential violation of antitrust laws in the states, as uh, and the as in the states, and as the company fends off two other major suits in the EU that could result in it paying close to eight billion dollars when all is said and done. And a bit of good news for the company, though, not that many are rooting for. I mean, not that many are rooting for the antitrust superheroes these days. Google was able to chip away uh, at another U.S.-led case of, uh, for antitrust, with a district court judge finding holes in the case early on. And just to throw a bit of short and Freud chum out there for us Microsoft fans and probably Amazon, I mean, probably Google, Amazon was also recently sued by the state of California for anti-competitive practices. We'll see where that suit goes, and we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, we also got a Windows 10 release preview channel insider build. Uh, 19044.2075 is ready and it's ready for download for you if you're going to be doing it this week. Despite my goldfish-like memory retention, Windows 10 remains a thing for quite a few people out there. Unfortunately, Microsoft continues to develop for it. A couple of days ago, Microsoft released a Windows 10 Insider build to the release preview ring as build 19044.2075. The list of new things coming with the new build include Transport Layer Security TLS 1.0 and 1.1 being turned off by default. Adding the ability to search for the controls for news and interests on the taskbar and modifying them 
using the settings app was another feature. Support for all taskbar, taskbar orientations uh, for news and interest was another uh, tweak that they made. The Windows team is also introducing web authentication redirection. And lastly, there's been a new Azure Active Directory authentication sign-in uh, to Windows using remote desktop functionality. Anyway, that is the end of the show. I want to thank you for spending some time with me. If you're into reading all things Microsoft, please visit us on Microsoft.com for breaking news, editorials, reviews, and how-tos. If you're just into making snap judgments based on a few lines of content, head over to Twitter uh, for our lesser nuanced take on things, uh, Microsoft and headlines, and on Microsoft.com, which is or, or Microsoft is our Twitter handle. And if you like TikTok formatted content, well, you can do that without us because we're not there just yet. Uh, as always, you are you, I am me. Do something wonderful with that knowledge today.